Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is the car cast after USC's 50 to 49 win over the Cal Bears in Berkeley. The final weekender. Uh, <laughs> one of the. Uh, most ridiculous games of football I think we've ever seen. So we're going to react to it here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Our email address is reinoftroyfansite.com. Phone number 818-643-7227. Second Woods Bruin Show. Show. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, along with my co-host in the Rain of Troy studio, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. You start with the, the, the good news? Uh, the good news is... Uh, Marshawn Lynch, man. What <laughs> you you missed you need your drop. You need your drop again, Michael. You said Lynch. Shoot, I did. <laughs> you oh were, my god. You had done so well for men, for several weeks and then oh, you did it. Okay, hold on. I'll load the board. Unbelievable. <laughs> How did I screw that up? How did you screw that up? It's shoot, it's it's been it's been while, while you're loading that up, I will I will say the good news. USC uh, ran the ball 40 times. The the person whose name you are You mean this one? Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah, that that guy. Had, had 17 carries and 3 catches, had 20 touches. Mhm. Yeah, and I think it's it's really the the fourth quarter that I think is the uh the Marshawn Lloyd quarter. 
<laughs> Which, why wouldn't it be? Why is, like, why is it this is the first time we're seeing this? This is what you... Marshawn Lloyd is built to destroy a tired defense. With his combination of size and power and all of that, like, he, this is what USC should be doing to every team. It's just unleash Marshawn Lloyd in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it... You look at I look. I'm looking it up his numbers right now. In the fourth quarter, he had three gain, uh, three rushes, uh, gains of three, nine, and fifty six. Uh, so if my math is not failing me, sixty eight yards rushing in the th- fourth quarter. Uh, if you look at him as a receiver uh, in the fourth quarter, he got what uh, sixteen and fifty three. So let's just do some math. Sixty eight plus. Uh, f- what 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 did I say? Sixty-eight, fifty-three, sixteen. Uh, not a math major, but one hundred and thirty-seven yards from scrimmage for uh, Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah, in that fourth quarter is is big. Like he he was able to step up. I think that this is a game in which we can talk about Eric Gentry uh, having a big impact. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the defense, obviously, in this game. The Trojans gave up 49 points in a winning effort, uh, which is something we could spend 8,000 podcast minutes talking about. Um, but I think you have to talk about the contributions of Bear Alexander will be something that we discuss at some point here, uh, especially when you look at the ground game. Uh, in the first half, Cal was incredible rushing the football. Um uh, in in the first half alone, uh, Cal ran the ball for 177 yards, averaging 9.8 yards per carry. In the second half alone, Cal only averaged 2.4 yards per carry, averaging 58. I mean, with 58 rushing yards, that was with Bear Alexander in the game in the second half. So he changed the game. Eric Gentry changed the game, but that didn't mean it changed enough for USC to just completely take over defensively because they didn't do that. They gave up 49 points, nearly lost the game on a two-point conversion at the end had Cal been able to do that. This was an absolute cluster F the entire way. Um, Both sides of the ball struggled at times, but also had their moments. Uh, The kicking game was... a thing the two-point conversions are a thing that we're going to talk about the the refereeing was a thing uh when we talk about the uh the halftime kickoff shenanigans or uh, field goal shenanigans with the final second there are so many millions of things to discuss uh so Alicia take it away uh yeah uh, yeah 50 to 49 50 to 49 50 to 49. 50 to 49 in Berkeley, like, sounds like a vote of some sort, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The thing that has stuck in my brain that will not leave my brain, that will not allow my brain to rest, that will not put me in a state of of not uh, aggro uh, is Cal, the Cal Bears, the California Golden Bears scored 49 points while committing four turnovers. They scored 49 points while committing four turnovers. They turned the ball over four times and scored 49 points against USC's defense. Mm -hmm. 
that is atrocious. Yeah, not not only just the four turnovers, but SC got 13 points off of those uh, four turnovers. And Cal uh, got zero points off of USC turnovers. This wasn't a this wasn't a Notre Dame scenario where USC's offense mm-hmm. was was giving the uh, the defense short fields to defend. No, Cal was just getting the ball and driving down the field and scoring touchdowns and turning the ball over and still were lost this game by one point because they because they went for a two point conversion. Yeah, and I. It's a fireable offense. I, I'm sorry. USC wins this game and heads should still roll. I do not. I do not know how you walk into the Coliseum next weekend to play Washington and have the defensive quarter coordinator remain your defensive coordinator. I don't know how because you can't even you can't give the defense credit for for the two point conversion stop at the end of the game. Because that would have meant giving up 50, 51 points to the Cal Bears while they committed four turnovers. That would have that would have meant it, it like it's un, you can't even give credit for the stops they made in the fourth quarter because they still gave up thirteen points in the fourth quarter because yeah. they still looked ex- like I know that the Bear Alexander impact is very clear here and I and I think it's a good wake-up call to appreciate the impact that Bear Alexander has on this defense because if he was not present, it would be worse than giving up 49 points to Cal. But I, I think that's the thing, though, is we, we've talked about how this is a 28-point defense, which, by the way, it's not anymore. It's at least a it's 35. It's a 49-point defense to Cal. <laughs> I, I mean, yes. Uh, it's at least... Every game going forward, you need to start at at least 35, if not 38. 35 probably is just the fair way to start now. It's no longer a 28-point defense. But to my point about the Bell Alexander thing, I think this this could have been a 28-point kind of defense uh, if it, if it would have been the second-half effort that you would have seen, which certainly not enough to be like a national championship winning defensive performance certainly right, but, but okay but, but they could have what, what I'm saying is like sec- it would have like this the second half the way it, it went could have been like the the passably bad version yeah. of, of the defense <laughs> which is still bad and, and not worth like I get you know, what you're continuing. saying yeah no 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 but I get what you're saying I, I get it but they still give up 21 points in the second half right which means if we just take the second half performance and and double it, it you're still giving up 42 points. You're still a yeah. 48 point 42 point defense right. to Cal. And the incredible thing about this is that Cal scores 28 points in the first half with ease by the way. And Jaden Ott had one carry in the fourth quarter. Like the fourth quarter is Marshawn Lloyd's time. He he takes it over and he wins the game for USC. And thank God that USC let him do that because the, in previous games they would not have let him, uh, let him do that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for handing the ball off and giving well, him that opportunity. Hold on, we got we got Justin Wilcox on the on the line here, uh, Coach. Uh, what was the game plan in the uh, the second half? I choose not to run. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I, I, like did 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 Jaden not have an injury? Did I, they just run him too I, hard in the first? Because he had 
21 carries, so maybe they just so, didn't want to put him, like, ride him too hard. But it's like choosing not to run with Jaden Ott in the fourth quarter. It felt like it gave USC the game. But, but this is the thing why I think that in the first half, so in the first half, SC just gets completely gashed, right? They give up four touchdowns in a row uh, at one point. Uh, 6 for 75, 3 for 75, 8 for 66, 3 for 50. So many of those are big plays. Jaden Ott at one point had over 100 yards on two back-to-back explosive touchdown runs. And because Bear Alexander was not in there, right? That's why SC's game plan should have been just like we talked about last week. The game plan should have been just start with an eight-man box. Start with an eight-man box. You know that you're going up against the Pac-12's leading rusher. You know that Bear Alexander's not going to be in there. Start with an eight-man box and make Mendoza beat you with his arm. If he beats you with his arm, touche, dude. Like, whatever. In the second half, that's essentially what happened by Cal choosing not to run, Bear Alexander being there, SC being able to stop the the normal runs uh, that Cal tried in the second half, even without Ott. And they ended up winning the percentages as, as the game went on, right? Like, if they would have just done that from the jump, this game couldn't have got to this horrendous, ferocious, uh, to quote David Woods, 50 to 49 mess, right? Like, I thought the game plan was bad defensively. The effort was was terrible defensive. Like, everything was bad defensively. And to your point, even when things were good, it's not like they just completely shut Cal down because this defense is not capable of shutting people down for the long haul. They're going to shut you. They're going to pick their spots, shut you down here and there when things are working for them. Um, but if you're Alex Grinch, you got to find a way to at least do that part. I, and that part wasn't, wasn't found he can't until find it was a too way. late. He can't find, he's proven he can't find a way. Right. There's no yeah. way they, they've, I don't know why. I don't know. I, I have been the one preaching that you just don't, there's no point in making a midseason firing because who are you going to replace him with in the middle of the season? You're just going to elevate another assistant and it's not going to make a difference. But at this point, it's so bad. It is so bad that you cannot persist with this. You just have to make the cut now because at least I saw, I saw this on Twitter and it's like, I agree with this. At least then if you get blown, if you get your socks blown off by Washington and Oregon, or God forbid UCLA, you can at least say, well, you know what? We had to fire the, the coordinator midseason and it's just whatever. But like, you can't, there, there is no confidence. They are, they are, there is no faith. There is no, nothing, nothing about this defense is redeemable. Even like, Bear Alexander is 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 clearly a, a, a game changer for USC, but like even Eric Gentry stepping up, we've been asking for weeks why Eric Gentry wasn't getting more playing time. So it's not like like coming to that conclusion now is too little, too late. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Eric Gentry is still one of the people in the Eric Gentry and Bear Alexander both in in the last two games have been at the scene of the crime of really, really stupid plays that have yeah. put USC in a bad position to potentially lose a game. And like, I'm not, I'm not blaming, like that kind of stuff happens. I get it. But like when, when your best players are still making those kinds of mistakes, like what, what there's, there's still like, even the re- redeemable levels of it are still pretty terrible. And like the, the, the thing that frustrates me is, 
I was thinking about this before we went on. Like, I am a child of the Pete Carroll era. I grew up in my football fandom in the Pete Carroll era. Mm -hmm. I have experienced many a trap game, look-ahead game, letdown game, whatever, where the first half USC didn't come to play, where the first half USC found themselves in a hole that they needed to dig themselves out of. I am perfectly comfortable in that, like in that living in that space from, from, from growing up in the Pete Carroll era where you can get away with, okay, you just, you just missed, you missed the mark in the first, in the first half. When you come back out after halftime and you make complete changes to the point where it's not just like your defense is slightly better. Your defense is a touchdown better and you win the game because of it. You put your foot on somebody's throat and you turn a 28 to 17 deficit into a 42 to 28 victory. Right. You don't let, you don't give them an inch longer. Mm -hmm. You make a statement in the third quarter, you come out and you just blast it. And that's not what this team does. That's not what this team did in this game. So they don't get a they don't get a pass on that front. Well, it's also not how the games have gone. Like no. the, the the last two games have been SC coming out from jump and looking good, uh, especially on offense. The last two weeks, thirty one points in the first quarter combined. Last week they had a hundred yards against a Utah team on the ground that was only averaging sixty six a game in the first quarter. And then they go nearly fifty minutes of game time with without scoring a touchdown, right? Like, it's it's the middle quarters where the game sort of ha- you have to have your adjustment. That that's where SC at least offensively is having the struggles. So they're not able to take over the games the way that you should, or, or at least not the way that Pete Carroll teams did, where they just would mail in every first quarter. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it's just a completely it's a completely different thing. I think the, the game plans need to be better on defense, and then I think it's the in game adjustments that need to be better so, on it, offense. USC's offense needs to be significantly better in the second quarter if they want to win any games moving forward into the rest of the season. Yeah, because because yeah. at this point, um, like on on the one hand, we've seen SC in the last three four weeks five weeks that SC has looked really sputtery the last I guess four and a half weeks when you include the last half of the Cal game like I guess we can include part of the ASU game there too whatever over this whole period at least it has shown that SC can eliminate a 14 point deficit and uh, a really two 14 point deficits they came back from 14 points down against utah they came from 14 points down today they came from 17 points down against arizona so this is why i don't buy the like oh the team is quitting they're mentally checked out any of that stuff because they have the fire enough to be able to come back my problem is they are finding themselves in those holes and the last two weeks finding themselves in those holes when they've scored 31 combined points in the first quarter. So like you shouldn't have been in those two holes the last two games. And then Alicia, can I go on my two point conversion rant? By all means. Cause uh, you know, I, you are preaching to the choir. I, okay. I, I will am, be amening you. I like, am, I am for being aggressive. I'm all about being aggressive. I like the Dan Lanning style of coaching where like, screw it. I'm going to go for it on this fourth down. Screw it. I'm just going to go for two here. I like that. 
But that's not what SC is doing with Lincoln Riley the last two weeks on these two-point conversions. Instead, he's chasing points that don't need to be chased. Uh, Last week, it was down 11. SC was, it was 28-17. SC goes for two, and now it's 28-23. And in the moments last week, I'm like, "Mm, okay, I I guess it's not a big deal. Uh, If you get it early, great, but whatever. Um, but then, as you saw, uh, Utah came down, got a field goal, and suddenly now you're down eight instead of seven, right? Um, and then the game ends. Uh, they miss another two-point conversion, and they end up losing by two. And it's like if you would have just kicked the PATs as you go along, it would have been 34-34, SC and Utah go to overtime. Like they literally lose last week because they chase points they did not need to chase. Well, fast forward to this week. Alicia, it is the same exact score. It is 28-17, and SC scores a touchdown in the third quarter, going to the right on your TV screen again. Same exact scenario. Um, I guess it was early fourth quarter last time, but third quarter this time, same exact thing. A week after the two-point conversions costing the game, and Lincoln Riley goes for two. They don't get it again because horrendous. They are not. I understand that that the national like two point conversion average is like forty something percent or whatever. SC is not that. SC has not been good at two point conversions as the season has gone on. On top of this, uh, so they go for two. They miss it. So now it would have been twenty eight twenty four normally if you just kicked the PAT. And now it's 28-23. You're down by eight, uh, five. And then the entire game is SC trying to connect to chase those points that they chased originally. So then the next touchdown, they go for two again to try to make up for the one that they missed. They missed that one. So now they're down essentially, what, three points? Cal then go, gets scores a touchdown. They go for two because they have a free chance of going for two because now if they go for two, it makes it a seven-point lead instead of a three-point lead. This whole thing, the way it, all the little pieces go, as the game is coming down to the end, when you add up the touchdowns and the field goals, and if everyone would have just taken their PATs, as you should have done, the score would have been 52-42 on that last drive. Cal never would have had an opportunity to go for two and win the game on the final drive. And but as, they did because SC chased points. They didn't have to chase. And it's like, why are you putting yourself in a, in a, in a chance to lose games that you don't need to? I, there are too many things that SC has to fix that are big picture problems that it's inexplicable to make the mistakes on the self-inflicted ones that you don't need to bring onto yourself. The two-point yes. conversions are a prime example. You should have been up by two, not by seven on the last drive. Like, I mean, you should have been up by, 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 ten. Yeah, by two, ten. By two scores on the last yeah. drive instead of seven. Like, yeah. it is insane. And then I I, I saw, um, I was tweeting this out on the, the Renatory Twitter account and there was a lot of people that are like, yeah, but Lynch misses the field goal. Uh, okay, so he does miss the one PAT. They go, they, they, he misses the field goal at the half, um, which we can talk about that later. Um, he does miss the one PAT. Yes, you're correct. That's the first missed PAT of his life. 
He was one for nine, 119 for 119 until he missed that PAT. That PAT is going in if he's at the three-yard line like normal. But he's backed up because they commit a penalty on the first PAT, uh, on the, the first two-point conversion attempt, or sorry, the second two-point conversion attempt that forces them to then kick the, the, the PAT, and he misses that one. He, yes, he should have never missed that, that second PAT there, but he makes that from the three-yard line given where the ball missed. Like, he didn't shank it that badly to have missed from the three. Yeah. So, like, and so this idea that, oh, well, it's just a lack of confidence in Lynch. Bullshit. If it was a lack of confidence in Lynch, uh, Lincoln Riley isn't spending the entire half at midfield talking to the refs about getting the extra kick for Lynch. There's not a lack of confidence in Lynch there. And again, if there was a lack of confidence in Lynch, they would have continued to go for two later on in the game, which they didn't do. No, he knows that that Lynch can make the PATs from the three-yard line because he's literally done it every opportunity that he has. So there's no reason not to do that. You go for two when you are trying to eliminate uh, like an an eight-point deficit at the end of the game. You're trying to make something a one-score game late where it's a free shot, where it makes sense. It they have just been they haven't been doing that. And it drives me utterly insane. Because I like, like I said, I like the ability of like going for it on fourth down and going for random two-point conversions to assert your will, something that like Dan Lanning does that you you live by the sword, die by the sword, but that's not what SC's doing. And SC isn't capable of also converting on those things to make all these willy-nilly goes worthwhile. Yeah, and, and that's part of the problem, too, is why is USC incapable of, of completing the two-point conversion? And I say that as somebody who thinks you should never do a two-point conversion unless you have to in order to win the game. Like, you don't do the two-point conversion until the end of the game when you're in end-game scenarios where this is your last chance to score points and you have to do it. Um so with with that in mind, I am extremely anti these chasing the two-point conversions for exactly the reasons you've laid out. But if you're going to go for two-point conversions, like why is USC incapable of executing the two-point conversions? Um, Tim in the chat was saying that uh, the, the, the attempts are all just Caleb scrambling. It's like, yeah, your two-point conversion strategy is is wrong then. You are you are calling the wrong plays. We had our friend Simon in our, in our texts losing his mind because USC did the thing where they, they cut the field in half by, uh, by rolling out to the, to the right. And I know he hates that one. And I'm, I hate that a little less, but certainly on a two point conversion where you're, you don't have much field to play with. You don't yeah, you don't have a lot of field to play with. Like you're, you, you should have a better strategy than just Caleb is going to bail us out, especially because I think we need to start having the, we need to continue to have the Caleb Williams conversation. Yeah, I, which is to say, Caleb Williams is not a particularly accurate quarterback right now. He's not. He's missed a couple of big throws. There was a third down one, third down throw in the fourth quarter where he's got Zachariah Branch in the perfect little spot on a nice little curl, nestled inside of the 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 zone where he's he's between three defenders. He's perfectly got a nice cozy spot, and Caleb Williams throws as if he's. Uh, uh, David Osbury instead of Zachariah Branch and completely overthrows him. 
Yeah, and and, and he's those mis- are, those are the throws that kill you, and and they're the th- and it makes you wonder also about the pinky pinky finger. I don't want to just keep beating this into the ground, but until that tape is gone, and until we see him not shaking it? off the hand every time he, he gets hit, you cannot tell me that something is not wrong with that pinky finger. In the third quarter, he the the fumble at the nearly that costs SC the ball right in front of the goal line. He he immediately starts shaking it and then grabbing his pinky finger. So yeah, he makes enough throws to where it can't possibly be as bad as sort of like the John David Booty against Stanford thing. No, but, but there's it's a, but it's disrupting. It, it's it, to, disrupting in some sort of way, to, at least sometimes. To me, something is disrupted about his accuracy in a way that uh, you know, um, I've. My perception is that last season he was far more accurate, especially in those kinds of uh, breaking up breaking up the zone kind of plays, that yeah. he was far more accurate. He is putting way more passes this year overly high, overly low, uh, just flat out missing guys that we the- know and not and not and, and there are throws where he's under pressure and when you're under like the reason teams put a premium on putting pressure on quarterbacks is that when you're under pressure, yeah. Like you're gonna you're gonna rush a rush a throw or or have a situation where you might just it it might just be disrupted. That's that's one thing. If it was just that, I would be less concerned about it. But he right. is doing this on throws where he's able to step into his throw and make it what what I feel like he should be able to make an accurate throw, and he is not making those throws. And that is part of the reason USC's offense is so sputtery because the passes. On third down, in those key downs, the 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 little screen passes that are just a, a little off and forcing the the wide receivers uh, to have to adjust to it and then not be in a position where they're where they're able to hit what they need to hit immediately. Um, those are helping USC's offense sputter. Yeah, and the, the the frustrating part is that you know he's able to make the incredible throws too. So like, which makes it hard to just blame the pinky, right? Because he's able to make the pass. Like he did to, to Kyron Hudson up the sideline, where it's like a just puts it right in the spot. The NFL perfect throw. There were a couple breadbasket throws. That yeah, were that were brilliant. So like he's clearly capable, um, which I think makes it all the more frustrating when he misses a guy. Um, but Chrono Serpent in the chat says, has there, "Has there been any confirmation if his pinky has been hurt, sprained, fractured, etc.?" Uh, Lincoln Riley was asked about it last week or a week and a half ago, whenever it was. And he said it's just been a nagging thing that it's not serious. I think the confirmation is the tape. Because his finger would not be taped if it was completely fine. Right? His throwing hand, I I would have to imagine. I would imagine quarterbacks don't like having to have their digits on their throwing hand taped. Yeah, we we got a a super chat from Paul. Thank you. Cheers. By the way, uh, cheers. Uh, And Paul says, is Caleb hurt? I, I, I... is he is he injured? I I don't think. I don't know if I, I mean injured is yeah. is is a thing. I think I think there's something going on with that pinky. I think he's clearly not 100. percent But that, but the Few like I said, the, the frustrating part is he's able to make so many so many plays that it's easy to just kind of throw away the the pinky as as an issue. Uh, but then there's but other ones where it's like that's sort of the only thing you can think of. But so. it's it's noteworthy, I think that. USC was in a position where they had to win this game by running the ball. Yeah. And I as as I said earlier, I'm grateful that they ran the ball. 
I'm grateful that they were able to put it on the ground and have uh, Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones close out this game on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I honestly think if they hadn't done that, if they hadn't said, you know what, let's let's hand the ball off, that USC would have been in trouble. Because so, I, because I, I, I think there was a point in this game where you could tell that the passing game was not going to do it. I, I think the running thing is interesting because, yes, you, you want SC to be able to run the ball uh, with, with Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd. But at the same time, I don't think that SC ran effectively today at all. Uh, I, I just pulled up the, the Marshawn Lloyd runs, um, and it's littered with a bunch of unproductive runs with big ones that buoy the numbers. He's got the, yeah, he's got the 56 yarder for the touchdown. He's got a nine yarder in the fourth quarter, but it's a lot of three, one, five, two, four, three, negative one, two, zero. Like there's a lot of those negative and and small gains that are in there that SC wasn't having say last year, which I think is, is making it more difficult. And the problem is that when the offensive line is struggling as they are, there's two ways to to circumvent that, right? Running the football and then going to quick games and quick passes and screens. Those are things that SC is not good at either. Um, I am a proponent of the screen game. I love a good screen. I love the screens in theory. This is an offense right now. Um that is not good at running screens. Um, one of the the issues about the wide receivers that people keep talking about is that they're not getting separation. Beyond that, I don't think this is a, a, a receiving core that blocks particularly well at all. Which because is, every time the, these screens, even when they have numbers, they're not getting any sort of yardage on them. Which is so, which frustrating. Which is not helping the offensive line, it's right? It's frustrating because... USC has been for several years a very strong wide receiving wide receiver blocking uh, team. The wide receivers have done an outstanding yeah. job over the Darius Rogers, over recent Juju. years. Uh, even even bef- even since Darius Rogers and Juju, mm-hmm. uh, I think last year USC's wide receivers uh, to me had a reputation for being strong blockers. Uh, this year, uh, certainly in this game, you you were pointing out, and I, I think you're correct that there were a lot of plays where it's just where those screens are not being blocked properly. And it's not always the wide receivers. There was at least one where, uh, you know, the, the offensive lineman kicks out and misses the the block. And and uh, I think it was Lake McCree sort of just gets stopped in his tracks because he doesn't have a lane uh, outside. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are issues. You have to be able to you have to be able to block your screens well in order to have them be effective enough to neutralize the the things that you're talking about where you have to keep a defense honest and yeah. USC is having a very hard time keeping defenses honest and that is part of also why they are sputtering and a lot of it has to do with blocking offensive yeah. linemen wide receivers running backs you know some mm-hmm. w- no, no blocking no rocky is is sort of extending across multiple position groups at this point yeah uh, that uh, that is is a concern and and it explains to me why this offense is so discombobulated compared to what they were able to achieve 
last season because I, I or know, even at the beginning of the year, even yeah. at the beginning of the year. But I I know I every week we see comments from people on Twitter and and in our chat and everywhere like that who are uh, talking about um, you know Caleb's uh, caught up in NIL. He's caught up in the draft. He's trying to win the Heisman too much. He's trying to prove he can be too much of a passer. All that like. I don't buy any of that. I think Caleb is 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 more or less the same quarterback than he was last year. I think he's trying too hard. He, he well, in the past, I think he did a much better job in this game of not being greedy and of taking the checkdowns. And it worked out very well for him because some of those checkdowns were to running backs who then proved they can do damage as receivers. Right. Um and and all of that. So, I think that that adjustment, that uh recognition was a little bit more clear in this game. But it had been an issue, but that's not because Caleb wants to pad his stats to win the Heisman or to prove to the NFL he can do one thing or another. It's because he wants to win games, and he knows that his defense is not reliable enough for him to to, I, to not put up 50 points every game. I'm never going to buy the, oh, he's too caught up in the NIL or whatever. It's it's a hot plate situation. Just um, not completely as much as like... Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley quotes, which are like Clay Helton quotes, which we can talk about in a different day, but like it's there. And if you, if you make it bother you, it will, if you ignore it, it won't hurt you. And I think that that's a lot of the, the, the whole NIL stuff because like, or his, his swagger his he's too confident, whatever. If he's winning games, you love that about him. If he's losing games, you hate that about him it just comes back down to, to winning. I don't think it's a cause and effect either way um, at all. Um, not to, you know, maybe apples to oranges slightly, whatever, but Travis Kelsey's in a million commercials right now and he's still performing at a ridiculously high level, right? Like, yes, you you, yeah. you, you want to see Caleb Williams be able to prove it consistently for years and years and years, but like he's he's done all that he has. I, I think he has proved himself. And the other thing is so many of these NIL stuff, it happens in the summer. Like yeah. so much of the those commercials and stuff are filmed in the summer. It's not like he's he's missing practice on a Thursday because he's got a, a photo shoot with Gatorade or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever that brand is that he's promoting like that's not exactly how it works like yes he has a podcast but so does like every team has like three guys that have a podcast now do do people think that athletes who didn't have nil deals didn't have lives that they were living outside of those nil like did people think that before nil that athletes just that, that all the quarterbacks just sort of live just I mean there's uh, were quarterback bots who just go in who spend 24 hours of their day um only but thinking we, about we, football we like, see it now yeah we just we just right. see it because unlike UFOs yeah by the way UFOs as we were kids like they were geez they were on TV every single day like these people got UFO then suddenly we all have cameras we and, all got smartphones with and cameras weirdly and, like the UFOs went, I, went away like, I certainly thought I would see more more UFOs yeah. in my mm. uh, in mm. my life no yeah um, uh, but uh, I mean uh, either way either way I just think that it's misplacing just like I think that it's mis it's misapplying criticism of you know I think Caleb like I said I think Caleb has 
been a little bit greedy. He's pushed pushed too much. He's he's tried to do too much at times. Um, not recognize that he needs to be running in a light box every time a light box is presented to him because you take what the defense is giving you. Like all of those things, I think those are really valid criticisms of of, of Caleb Williams. But people jump on the NIL thing because it's there, just like people jump on the quotes from Lincoln Riley because they're there. But like like you were saying, if you're winning, no one gives a crap. No one cares if your NIL arm is doing this, that, or the other thing. No one cares if your coach is saying this, that, or the other thing. If you're winning, USC's problem right now is simply that they are not winning games. And when they are winning games, they're giving up 49 points to the California Golden Bears who had four turnovers in the game also. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this is the the weird thing too is that SC scored fifty points and we're sitting here talking about how discombobulated the offense was. Well, yeah, but but why? Because because this is the thing. Cal's defense has been bad, but also it has been pretty bad all year. And and the problem that I see with this offense is that yes, they were able to score fifty points and they needed to score fifty points in this game. They scored twenty one points in the fourth quarter. They needed to score those twenty one points in the fourth quarter. The problem is that. You cannot expect Washington to let you score 21 points in the fourth quarter. You cannot expect Oregon to let you score 21 points in the fourth quarter. And you certainly can't expect UCLA to let you score 21 points in the fourth quarter. You can't find yourselves in these positions. That that goose egg in the second quarter forces you to be in a position where you have to put up 21 points in the fourth quarter. And you can't do that in the future games that that we're looking at because your defense is going to give up 49 points to yeah. the Cal Golden Bears. Well, when you when the entire precipice, I mean, precip- that's that's the wrong word. The entire basis, there, let's just go with basis of this uh, I'm telling you, live podcasting is very difficult. Like <laughs> this would be a cut, you know. Yeah. Normally. Um, but I'm rolling with it. Um the entire purpose of this team is to to outscore a team, right? Like, and so yes, it worked today, fifty to forty nine. But like, the offense isn't also doing their part as well because of the inefficiency of how they got to the fifty. Like, I'm looking at the drive chart right now. They scored fifty points, and they had uh, one drive all game that was longer than seventy yards. Sorry, two. Two drives all game that were longer than 70 yards. It, it's even in the second half when when things turned around and SC scored, uh, what was it, 33 second half points. Uh, the drives in the second half were so weird. Four for 45, three for negative one in a punt, one for 22, three for negative 18 in a punt, three for one in a punt. Uh, 575, four for 20 and a punt, three for 18, one for negative 12 and a fumble, two for 63, three for negative 30. And that was the, the last um, uh, at the end there where Caleb Williams took the minus 30 yards running backwards yeah. to kill clock. Like it was weird. It was a, like it, it's not like SC is going on these consistently long, uh, you know, super long drives every single time down the field they're 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 not doing that uh and if they were able to just be more efficient on offense they score 60 something points in this game well because again uh, and if they were able to have a a, a game plan on offense on defense that 
you know, prepared for Bear Alexander not being in the game in the in the first half and stack the box and make Mendoza beat you. Yeah, maybe you hold them to 28 points or, or even 35 points because it's a 35-point defense now, and you win the game 66 to 35. And it's not 50 to 49 where you're having to, you know, pull it out by a hair at the end. Which, by the way, I've been getting on the defense for allowing 49 points where Cal coughed up four of their possessions. USC scores 50 points while being gifted four extra possessions in this game. So, yeah, yeah, USC's offense, not efficient. Absolutely not efficient. Needs to be more efficient. Uh, if they have any hope of, uh, of 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 winning any of the last three games of this regular season, that's that's the fact of the matter is the the offense as currently uh, as currently producing mm-hmm. in terms of inefficiency will not be able to win the games that are in front of them unless they have a huge uh, unless they sort of flip flip that script script considerably. Um, yeah, USC is it's. It's just not. It's just not good enough. And this is the worst defense you will face for the rest of the year. Now, oh yeah, and, considerably. And that's saying, Oregon, considerably. And, Oregon and Washington don't have like elite top ten kind of defenses, but their defense, their defenses get stops. Their defenses don't make you look better than you are. Uh, the way USC's defense does. Mm-hmm. Their defenses take care of business. Yeah. And USC's offense against a defense that takes care of business as currently playing will not score the the, the requisite number of points because because USC has been playing as as you pointed out on on Twitter USC has had a string of quarterbacks that were third string guys were were benched in the case of uh, Bryson Barnes. Uh, that were making their first collegiate start, like uh, like uh, Fafita. His first road start. The first road start, like Fafita. USC's been playing those guys. The next two weeks, they are playing Heisman contenders. Heisman contenders. If if Fernando Mendoza is is doing to you what he did in this game, you you gotta have to. You're gonna have to outscore straight up Bo yeah. Nix and Michael Penix. Yeah, because you you can't you can't go with the all right. Let's let's just uh, you know try to stop the run and make uh, make Bonix beat me. Make yes, Michael you, Penix. You, beat you can't me. make that bet against those guys. Yeah. Um. Which hey, maybe it'll work out because SC's not been making that bet game plan wise. Uh, not been like taking the bet of like, hey, let's just make the quarterback beat us. So maybe that will work out when SC faces the good quarterback. I don't know, but they're they're letting Jeremiah Hunter and Jack Andrews and and Tron well, Brazel uh, tear the tear up the secondary. What happens sure. when they face Washington's receiving court? It, it won't it won't won't go well. But we'll see how that <laughs> Dan, bet works. Dan in the chat says Penix is above the Mendoza line. It won't. And work, that's great. Probably won't work well, but uh, we'll see how that bet goes for the Trojans and how your bet goes if you join DraftKings because DraftKings is running a new promotion that you won't want to miss. New Year's is going to place a $5 bet and instantly claim 200 bucks in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is sign up with our code RainOfTroy, all one word. Using that code RainOfTroy, all one word. Literally RainOfTroy. You don't don't put in the all one word in the code. It's just RainOfTroy. <laughs> Uh, not only gets you those great bonuses, but also directly supports the podcast. Uh, if you've been considering signing up for, dra- for DraftKings, 
Help us out, won't you? The offer is, of course, only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Tim, uh, for the uh, the shout-outs on the segue there. It was good. I thought, I thought, I thought that one was smooth. The, the segues are, are Mrs. Tim's favorite part of the show. Mrs. Tim, Tim thank Tim you. Says. Thank you, thank you, Miss Tim. Uh, Michael's least favorite part of the show is how I get in the way of his really clean segues because I don't see them coming either. That one, that one I'm like, I, I got it. I, let me dunk. He's, he, after every show, he's like, let me cook. And I'm like, well, I need to see it. Cut. You're too good. And she's, too, she's I don't, like I don't, getting in the way. I don't realize you're segueing until, uh, you know what it is? It, it's, it's, uh, Caleb Williams with the, with the mesh point, like yeah. hand of the ball. Like, Just give him the ball. Give him the ball. Give him the ball. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> uh, Torrance says Reign of Troy is three words It is three words uh, By the way, you know what's two points? I thank you for the artist Formerly known as Jabroni Jabber Brody With a, uh, with a super chat uh, yes. Two bucks for all the, the, the two, point two point conversion talk Thank yeah. you A couple of loonies there Appreciate it Alright, let's get into the mailbag Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've got mail. Got a bunch of questions. Y'all have been putting into the chat. We've been starring them as we go along so we can save them and talk about them. Uh, Dave the Greater, does USC stay in the top 25 or drop out? Um, this okay, is, this this is, is the weekly. Um, polls are multidimensional, so it depends on what everybody else is doing. But as SC stands, I think they drop out. Um. Shout out, to, shout out to Dan for the super chat to let, let yeah. him cook. Let me yeah. cook. Well, I'll, let, I'll let him cook. Um, this is interesting. So uh, I think there's a chance that USC loses, a, continues to lose credibility with voters and may fall out. Um, but it's it's difficult because you still need, like Duke is going to fall out because they, they just lost. Um you still have to have others from behind leap forward at that point to get USC out. So it will be difficult. Mm -hmm. Having said that, this is the last week that USC can live on that because Sunday, the AP poll comes out. Tuesday, the college football playoff rankings come out. Yeah. And I will not be angry if they do not have USC in their top 25. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, I think they might... If they're thinking about the matchup with Washington coming well, up, like I mean, if, if if USC is in there, then then by all means, fine. But USC's defense disqualifies it from the top twenty-five at this point, in my mind. I and I I talk a lot about how eye test matters. I think you can make a strong argument that SC is like a couple of little things away, little. Away from losing five in a row. 
like having already lost five in a row. The Colorado game, if that game, there's five more minutes on the clock. Oof, bad news. Yeah. Bad news. The Arizona game, SC should have lost. They tried to, they, they nearly won it at the end, but then they constantly kept giving it to Arizona and Arizona was like, no, thanks, no, thanks, no, thanks. Yeah. And SC won at the end anyways. Uh, we know that SC lost to Notre Dame. We know that SC lost to Utah. Here we go. SC nearly gave Cal the opportunity to have the two-point conversion win at the end, just like Utah did last year at Rice-Eccles. Uh, it could have been five wins on the bounce for the Trojans at this point. So, yeah, by the eye test, you can say that SC's had five losses in a row. Well, they so, haven't. They they haven't. They uh, haven't. They've had five games in a row where they have not passed the eye test. I'll, I'll give yes. you that. Yes. Um, I think my bigger my bigger issue is that USC's defense is horrendous and has been horrendous, and their offense is not passing the eye test enough to make up for it. It would be one thing yeah. if it was just you know, USC's offense looks unstoppable and they have to win every game fifty to forty nine, and that's. Uh, but their offense is so good with the reigning Heisman winner that. You, you still keep them in the rankings, but the offense does not look good either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can't win. Like you, if 50 to 49 against Cal was in a vacuum and didn't come with struggle fests against uh, Arizona, Colorado, ASU and losses to Notre Dame and Utah, mm-hmm. then that would be one thing. But like USC's loss to Utah gets put into perspective this week as well. Mm-hmm. Oregon yeah, goes to Rice Eccles, two Rice Eccles, and holds Utah's offense to six points. I, because guess what? Utah's offense is not good and has not been good at any point this season. The only time they've scored points is when they played who? Cal and their crappy defense and USC and their crappy defense. I have a proposal. I, I am... You know, big fan of what Utah does. Big fan of of the Muss and Rice Eccles and all those things. I think we need to talk about Rice Eccles like we do Tiger Stadium. Tiger Stadium at night. Rice Eccles at night. Okay, yeah. In the daytime, it's It's not not like it just even on TV, it just doesn't even look the same. Like it, it, it's you know. I think feel like it's a different thing. Um, that's that's fair, but even even but it, even it, but so, it's still no no no. To your point, I'm not taking anything yeah, yeah, away from yeah, your point. Yeah, your point 100%. is 100. Well, yeah, 35 so. to six just absolutely jiggle bagged them. Yeah, like yeah, uh, it doesn't look, doesn't look good for us. That's what right. That, that's what's so that that is what's so damning about how bad USC's uh, USC's defense is is the teams that don't have good offenses. It's like because. You look at this year versus last year. Last year, USC gives up 29 points per game. Um, but USC also plays a bunch of, of offenses that are that are worth a damn. Yeah. And that is what, that sort of, that skews things just just ever so slightly. But like when USC plays a truly bad bad offense last year in Colorado, mm-hmm. they, they hold them to 17 points. Like... They hold yeah. Notre Dame to twenty-seven points. All, like, I'm not saying USC's off defense was good last year, but they had games where they were capable of making stops and they were capable of doing things. And their average gets blown out of the water because they're giving up forty-three points, forty-five points to Utah and UCLA and all those teams with with really strong offenses for all of the season. 
This year, USC is giving up 30 points per game, and they're giving up those point totals to truly horrific offenses. Yeah. To offenses that get shut down by other teams. And the only the only team that they have really the only team of note that they have really managed to to get those kinds of stops against was Stanford. And that's it's just not good enough. Like you you yeah. can't you can't and be doing this. Stopping Stanford is not impressive. It's not to impressive. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh okay, we got a question from AK Moncayo. Uh, what's the line for how many antacids you need to take for the next game? Well, funny you say that. I've got the Tums here. Um, let's see. We're not says, sponsored by Tums, not but sponsored. if they would like to, if they yes. would like to sponsor um, us. Uh, Renatroyatfansite.com is, of course, the uh, email address. Uh, it says, goes to work in seconds. Uh, let me read the directions. Uh, directions, adults and children, 12 years of age and over, uh, choose two to four tablets as symptoms occur as directed by a doctor. Uh, you can take up to um, more than that uh, if Alex Grinch is your defensive coordinator. <laughs> um, no, I did not say that. This is no. not Tums, by the way, for legal reasons. Yeah. Um, this is Bums. Bums? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but- Dan, Dan asked how many Modellos for Saturday. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I... It's always the over for any of those things. Yes. Uh, all right. More more questions we've got on here. Uh, Lamont says, I think it's obvious that Caleb is hurt more than they're saying. If Caleb is playing through an injury, uh, the offense has to change to fit what he's able to do. Why does Lincoln Riley not see this? I, I agree. Does this game not sort of prove that they... It maybe I think they've adjusted to it. Like they I think ran they've the tried. ball so I honestly much think more in tried. this game. I, I think they. Uh, the The problem though is that that finger how like it's inconsistency. It, that, it's not the finger works with the handoffs, the mesh point. Uh, they've they've done more screens, and I think he's able to throw the screens quicker, and all those things. They've gone way more on those, and like part of that's helping the offensive line as well. But there's way fewer deep shots and and whatnot, so I don't know that they haven't. I, I outside of like going to I formation and just handing off like it's you know 1974. I I don't know what it would overly look like of them taking it out of Caleb's hands more than just putting in Miller Moss, which they're not going to do. And then the flip side is he can still make those throws like he made to Kyron Hudson. So That's, like it's hard to not to yeah. to want to just you know give him the keys to the car, right? He's not. He's not like this. Isn't a like you said. This isn't a John David Booty situation where he cannot throw the ball. It's just that it's just enough of a of a clearly enough of an issue that occasionally he just misses that that his throws are off and he would be missing throws occasionally like i'm not he's not perfect he we shouldn't expect him to be perfect no matter what i just mm-hmm. think the the there is an increase in the number of throws he hits the problem is he still hits so many of the throws that he's making that you still have to ride with him and yeah. feel like you can you can win win a football game and uh, when it comes down to it, this the the formula for this game is ultimately worked out because they handed the ball off and and yeah. uh, and uh, and got the contributions from the running backs that they needed. The problem is, 
Cal is the worst rushing defense that USC is going to face for a while again. Like, it, it's... Can you run the ball at this rate? Can you not have the game in Caleb Williams' hand against Washington and Oregon or UCLA? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is something yeah. that you can do. Uh, David Grader says... Can this game? Can this team win another game this this season? Considering the last few weeks, yes, yes, this team can win another game this season because um, I think I think that uh, I think calling UCLA a definite loss is definitely going a little bit too far off the deep end. I think that's that's shaping up to be a, a dogfight. That's isn't UCLA essentially Utah? Utah, yes. But USC had a chance to beat Utah, so... For sure, yeah. Like, you know, again, I think that's a dogfight that probably uh, is going to come down to which uh, which side can... Well, that game is going to come down to whether or not USC's defense decides to be 49 points against Cal when they have four <laughs> turnovers bad. Yeah, you, you can't let UCLA score 49 points because you're not scoring 49 points against them. But at the same time, like, yeah. for, for, for instance, I know it's I know it's early in this game, but, like... Colorado, we know Colorado's defense is pretty, pretty struggle, struggle bussy. And uh, they have held UCLA to seven points in the first half uh, as they are currently playing. Um, on the flip side, you know, they have also held Shutter Sanders and, and the Buffs to six points, which, again, we know that that offense can score. So yeah. UCLA is a, a, a difficult matchup for USC because of that, because you can't trust USC's defense to make... Mm-hmm. That to make that UCLA offense look like what everybody else makes them look like, but if Colorado can limit them, then I guess maybe I guess I I suppose anything could happen. Um, beating Washington at home is also not out of the question, simply because well, Washington has had a string of. E- kind of games and they are currently in a little bit of a dogfight with Stanford who just scored to make it 20 to 21 with Washington. So Washington is a scary team because they're well coached and uh, yeah. they will certainly put up points on you. By the way, this is when you go for two, if you're Stanford, which they to did tie the, to they tie failed. the, yeah, yeah, they, 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 so it's 19 to 21. They, they could yeah. not tie the game. But the point being is that like Washington probably beats USC at the Coliseum, but Washington is also not in, not Washington has had some low key struggles this season well, and USC with the right adjustments. There's no, if USC plays a clean game, which I by no means am going to bet on, but if USC plays a clean game, they they should be able to be in that game and have a chance to beat Washington the same way that they were in the game against Utah and had a chance to beat Utah. The one that I'm circling as I do not imagine a universe where USC wins that game is going to Autzen to play Oregon yeah. Uh, that matchup is wrong in every single way, shape, and form, uh, and being on the road is absolute, just absolutely not. Uh, USC has is in danger of getting jiggle bagged by uh, by Oregon. Yeah, I, I think the easiest way to say it is, SC has there is no football reason to pick SC to beat Washington or Oregon. Uh, and it's a flip a coin against UCLA right now. There's no football reason to say that, yeah, SC should win multiple games. Certainly not. Um, 
if they end up winning multiple games or whatever it ends up being throughout the rest of the season, it will be because some other element I think came to be. Um, at least until I, we're proven wrong, we're proven wrong that the defense actually is good. And then suddenly they, you know, pull off the mask and they're like, actually, actually, we've just been waiting for this game. We, we've spent, we were sandbagging. We we've were just, spent the last nine weeks of this, 10 weeks of the season, uh, just scouting for how to beat Washington and Oregon. Um, yeah. Which would be a, a very funny outcome, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, no football reason is the is the word there. Um, Lamont says, uh, I think it's obvious that Caleb is hurt. Uh, oh, we already talked about that one. I, I didn't uncheck that one. Sorry. Ramamurti says, uh, Rama says, how, how do we get the players to stop doing boneheaded penalties? There's there's no way. There is no, like, I... Boneheaded penalties are, is, are the story. Of, this has of been team. my life. Yeah. <laughs> Watching this football team, this has been my life. Uh... Darnell Bing's personal foul against Texas. You've got uh, the you know the Gallipo penalty against Stanford. Mm-hmm. You got the Bear Alexander penalty last week against Utah. You got this one the the Eric Gentry uh, with with the taunting thing. Like you know David Beckham's red card against Argentina. Like it's all the same thing. Like, they happen. Don't put yourself in a position yes. where that these things penalty... shouldn't happen, but yeah. they continue to do. Yeah. Um. The, if there was an easy fix, it would never happen, and it would be so great if there was. There unfortunately isn't. Uh, Ron Murdy says, "Does this team lack focus and discipline that we would hope come uh, would come from a coaching change uh, under Helton?" I, I think yes. On on the the flip side. I I think a lot of these issues that we're seeing now that we saw also under the Clay Helton thing, I think this is a good reminder that like most college football teams have these like are so insanely flawed with the exception of like three. And these things are way more normal than you think, which is the, the frustrating part about this sport uh, is that Every freaking coach sucks in time management situations. Every, like, like every single coach has boneheaded things. You're like, what the hell? Um, You look at the the penalties and how many good teams have, like, a million penalties, too. Like, I, so, yes, I think the team lacks focus and discipline and all that stuff. But, like, I I think everybody does, with the exception of, like, Georgia. Like, I, I just... You, you need to get better at that. You need to not let it be the thing that absolutely kills you. I think that's a sign of great coaching. Absolutely. Um, but like, I don't know that the Pete Carroll teams always had the best focus and discipline either. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that's certainly the case because I, I know I came up through the message boards where that was a constant Conversation every single year was uh, was penalties, was all of the fo- focus and discipline kind of stuff, and and again, it's it's one of those things where my suspicion is that these are these are mostly buzzwords. Um, yeah, USC Identity, is unfocused and undisciplined. Physicality. But yes, all of, all of those things. It's are all just code word for not winning. For, for not yeah, not not very good. Um, yeah. But uh, but when it like 
when it comes down to it, you those things go hand in hand with executing. Mm-hmm. Like if you just like one of the things we we always talk about with like play calling too is that everyone gets on the play calling when the execution is if you, you play calling looks great so long as your execution is good like if, if you have a really good offensive line right. and your offensive linemen are big enough and fast enough and strong enough and also have proper technique and do their job properly your play calls general and, and then you have a quarterback who isn't making boneheaded mistakes you generally look like a better football team than if you didn't have those yeah. things and those things are tied in part to discipline and toughness and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But discipline and toughness is also like the the perception that you are disciplined and tough is also related to you have talent and ability and coaching yeah. is putting you right in the right position. Like there are so many, there's a million factors that go into why any individual or any team is actually any good. And uh, th- they all sort of go hand in hand also. So. Marcelo says the mistakes are more tolerable tolerable uh, if the rest of the non-mistake stuff is excellent. Yes, 100%, exactly. 100%, exactly. Yes, which is, which is also which is why what so the, many of the stuff Which is the story of the like, Pete Carroll era is uh, so much of those teams were uh, like undisciplined, getting uh, penalized. Like those were some of the most penalized teams in the country every year. Yeah. Uh, but they were... They got the job done in pretty much every other facet mm-hmm. and then got bit every year because the all of those things sort of all came to a head in one in one in the one game, the Pac twelve road opener, they would lose every year. Right. Um but then they, you know, go go uh no last November and But this is fine. this is why like I I think so so much of the stuff is just win. If you win, nobody cares. And so much of it is be less undisciplined than the team that's on the other side of well, you. Yes. Cause like, that's a big it part a of ga- it too. It is a game where you're directly compared to the other team. Yes. Like for, like for instance, in this game, in this game, if Cal is trying to pull off an upset, the, you, you just pulling off an upset when you have four turnovers and, and you are making the mistakes that Cal is making. USC just had to be slightly less sloppy than Cal in this game in order to win. Um, yeah. When, when you're playing like Oregon and Washington, when you're in a heavyweight battle like those teams, it's not that Oregon has to be, that Washington has to be 100% disciplined. It's this, they just have to be more disciplined, that 1% more disciplined mm-hmm. than, than the team on the other side. So it, it's also, there's there's weird sort of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cameron says, should Caleb wear a football glove to cover up for the pinky? Okay, I've got two answers. One is my brain talking. Maybe that might be a good idea. I don't know the true benefits of the glove. I feel like the benefit of the glove is grip. But if that would help, maybe that'd be a good idea. Then there's me talking. No, because who likes a gloved quarterback? Like, I don't want a gloved quarterback. I don't want a gloved quarterback. I don't want a quarterback that wears a vice's face mask or a helmet. I don't want to, like, no. Low on the Michael Index. No. Like, I, I, I do Teddy not. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, uh, Roethlisberger. No, low on the Index. Way low. I, I do not care if Caleb wears a glove or does not wear a glove. Um, But wearing a glove does alter everything that you do as a passer i think like that's a change i think you make during a bye week or during an off season i don't know that that's a change that you make um make just yeah out of out of nowhere 
Um, there's a conversation in the chat about whether or not USC should should just you know wear yellow or whatever and i think it, it is funny because one like on penalties and the, the idea of discipline and all that kind of stuff one of the things that i always found very interesting is the mm -hmm. discussion of usc being undisciplined blah, blah blah and the sort of studies that have shown that teams that wear red uh may be penalized more often just like across all sports because of color theory and color theory is a little bit mm, you know there there's there's Proponents, yeah, tinfoil hat Michael is uh, is doing. But take or leave the color theory thing, but there is one thing that I think is far more statistically um, uh, uh, like allowed for or, or proven or whatever. It's that Pac-12 refs are also just bad at everything that they do. And uh, USC, I think they have a different interpretation of the rules would be the, than than most other like yeah. by and large Pac-12 teams are more penalized than um, than they're not Pac-12 counterparts just like across the board. So um, that's also like penalty discussions are warped by Pac-12 refs being what they are um, and. That's why it also goes, it doesn't matter where you rank like nationally in penalties, Oregon, I'm, I'm just looking it up, where is Oregon? Uh, Oregon ranks 96th nationally in, in penalty yards per game. Uh, what matters more is like, where do you rank relative to the teams that you're playing, which is... Right. Uh, it's kind of like Oregon's in the top half of the Pac-12, which is still, you know, a significantly better place to be where USC's down at the bottom. But guess who's guess who's at the bottom of the Pac-12 in terms of penalty yards per game? SC? Washington. Oh, well, next week. Yeah. Something, something, no football reason. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Cade in the chat with yeah. the super chat. First time listener. You guys are the best. Love your USC football takes. Thank you. Much appreciated. Um, first time live listener. Yeah. First time live listener. Yeah. Yes. That means yes. long time listener. <laughs> love Cade. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we are, we are glad to be here and, and talking, talking USC. It's certainly much more fun to be on the car cast and talk about the games than to watch the games at this point. So yeah, I, I I I don't I don't disagree. Um, okay, now we need to talk. But while we're on the topic of refs, because HR picking stuff in the chat brought it up, I've never seen time uh, put back on the clock when the halftime expired. Soccer rules. I've never seen that in soccer either. Like this is this was this was all. So I I this don't think it was them insane. putting time back on as if it expired. I think it's more so like it was the review of the situation, like. They just did the review before. They, they did the review. They screwed the, up. It, they they screwed up by letting the teams go back on to to the to Which the locker is, room and letting the TV broadcast cut away. It is it, no. It it is one hundred percent on the refs. This is another example of just the incompetence of the refs in the Pac twelve. And refs are bad across the board, but they are like they are worse in the Pac twelve. Yeah. When. Lake McCree goes down. There is a audible announcement on the TV broadcast that we hear where the ref says, teams, stay on your sideline, remain on your sideline. Then the refs huddle up and they come out and they say, the clock has run out, the half is over. At that point, they should not dismiss the teams to go out to the half. They should trigger a review to look at the play 
and get the ball right. Yeah. You should not be able to have a review after the half is over. Like you've decided the half is over. Yeah. So you hold back on the, the half is over. Until you know for sure. And then once you do, you yeah. can't have a review after that because that's weird. Well, and what's weird is that, and I don't I don't understand what, what part of the rule book al- allowed this to happen, but theoretically, like, good on Lincoln Riley for pushing it, for getting what he wanted, and for giving USC a chance to put points on the board, even though hilariously, like, it's... it's it was uh, more hilarious ice, he missed, right? The kicker is ice and he missed it, and that's hilarious and ridiculous, but, like, yes. good, Lincoln Riley is well within his rights to push to get every advantage he possibly can. Sure. Why were the refs even listening? Why, like, the, the that's moment... That's what I'm saying. Once you com- say the half is over... Once you say the half is over, the, the referees over. have yeah. their own locker room. They should be out They should be out of dodge. They should be, no, we're not listening to, we're leaving. But instead, they, they let it go on long enough that this is what I think happened. They let it go on long enough that they let Lincoln Riley drop a red challenge flag. And once he drops a red challenge flag, well, now he's challenged the play, which means they have to spark the, right. the review, which is, like, it... It shouldn't have come to that because they should have just reviewed it straight up or said, nope, we're done and gone to the locker room and not let Lincoln Riley even get to the point where he used his official challenge. But there was a gap in there where they allowed Lincoln to, to linger and then, and drop that challenge after the teams had already gone to the locker room, after the bands had come out on the field, after all that kind of, it's just poor game management from the referees and it's stupid, and it is one of the reasons why, like, good riddance but to the Pac-12. Isn't isn't it weird the whole thing last year? Remember uh, against Arizona, where right before the half, the ref didn't put the ball there, did didn't put the ball down. The clock ran out, and they're like, "Nope, can't review it. The half is over. We're gone." Yeah, guys. yeah. Like, and then the time before that, that a- a- USC was at ASU and they had to bring the teams back out from the locker room. Yeah. Um, even that was better game management because the halftime hadn't really started. It was, it all was confusing, but the, it happened. The band wasn't on the... But it, it happened within the, within, within the space where you could just restart the, just get the play out and then go to halftime. But they waited like 15 minutes to even get to a point where they decided that they had knew, they knew what they were going to do. Right. It's, it's absolutely... It, it's again good good riddance to the Pac-12 if these are the referees I, they're going to put out there running their games. I just want to give a big shout out to Chris Trevino for his the band is on the field tweet, yeah, uh, which is so great, especially because it it was the Cal band, uh, not the Stanford band, it was the Cal band, but the Cal band on being on the field, the same field that. The Stanford band was on 42 years ago, 41 years ago is, uh, is amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it's wild to me that they didn't immediately go and check the play. Like it wasn't so obvious that it was, there's no question. There's no I, time. It wasn't a situation where they didn't have timeouts anyways. So it wouldn't have mattered. They wouldn't have had time to clock it. You should just, just, I'm just review it right there. Save, I, save the chaos. I'm honestly shocked that the um, <laughs> I'm honestly shocked that the that it ended up being ruled in SC's favor because when we watched it live, 
it looked like for sure down. Like, 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 I'm yeah. sorry, not, not down, but like the clock had run out. I was, so. I was saying, man, if McCree just goes down straight, if he just, yeah. if he catches the ball and just goes down, you have time, you're good. Um, and he, and he didn't. And then, but the replay showed pretty clearly his knee was down. There was a second on the clock. So like in the end, they got it right. It's just, why does it take that kind of stupid chaos to get it right? When it would be so, you told the teams to stay on the sideline you did the thing right in 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 the yeah. immediate term, and then you just let things get out of get out get out of hand. Yeah, uh, we got a super chat from SJ. Please end this car cast with optimistic Alicia. We will we did will I do not- an optimistic Alicia segment uh, at the very end. Yes, we, we've got more questions, but thank you, SJ. You're awesome. Uh, but yes, I love that that idea to to end this thing. Okay. I, I will whip before something we up get here. there. We've got some pessimistic questions. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Brandon says, would you rather drop Grinch now or wait till the end of the season? It's untenable. It's untenable. The problem, uh, realistically, guys, realistically, the only way that Grinch was getting fired is if USC lost. Um, granted, I, I don't think... Uh, I didn't expect... I didn't expect Kiffin to get fired when he didn't. I didn't expect... Helton to get fired when he did. So, you know what? Like, maybe I'm wrong, but realistically, he's not going to get fired. I think it is untenable. You you are better off going into the Washington game with that upheaval, see what, or, or demote him. Demote him, have somebody else run the defense. Have, promote Sean Nua, promote, I don't know, anybody um, to... To, to run the defense, what whatever whatever it is. I mean, at this point, I would fire Grinch and have Cliff Kingsbury run my defense over a, a, living through another game of of what we saw today. I, it, I'm I I hear what you're saying. I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, I do think that I I see the validity to the to the logic that if you fired Grinch right now, that's um, at least a, at least people are not talking about it anymore. Uh, and then you go into the Washington game and then a, he th- doesn't have the ability to win his job back. Uh, but B you ha- you can say worst case scenario, you get jiggle bagged against Washington. And it's like, eh, well, it was the, it was the interim week and you know, things were a little weird and you, you have that built in excuse, whatever. I get all that. I think that all makes sound logical sense. I can, but I cannot think of a defensive coordinator that has been hired, who's been fired mid-season without a bye week. I'm trying to look stuff up, right? Like I'm, I'm literally googling fired defensive coordinator. The last one I can, it's a whole bunch of NFL garbage, but like the last one I can find is Nebraska defensive coordinator Eric Chinander, Chinander, whatever his name is. Fired after 35-point loss to Oklahoma, September 18th, 2022. They had a bye week after that. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that when Lincoln Riley made the change in 2018, firing uh, Mike Stoops, they had a bye week after that. So what you're saying, we can blame the Pac-12 schedule makers for putting USC's bye week in week three. Or like blame the bye USC week didn't for... come at a good time in that sense. No. If, if there was, I think if there was a bye week... If this week was the bye week mm-hmm. after the Utah game, 
I think there would be a very good chance that the Grinch would have been gone. But uh, uh, Eric in the chat says, unfortunately, there is more than Grinch that should be on the hot seat with this coaching staff. Sure. Yeah. That's part of the reason why, like, I'm at the point where just get it, get, pull the bandaid off and reassure fans that you, you like, don't live in this liminal space where USC fans aren't convinced that you're going to fire Grinch. Like, just get it done. But the fact of the matter is the entire defensive staff should be gone. Throw babies out with bathwater if you need to. The I, entire defensive staff should be I gone. agree. I I um I still have hope for Sean Nua, but um but the defensive line the the defensive line last year has had uh two gr- very good players, Bear Alexander and Tuli Tuipilotu. Yeah. Um and after that there's a, Solomon Bird has had his moments, sure. Yeah. But yeah, but like, Sean it, but Sean Nua is also choosing to uh, Sean Nua recruited players in the transfer portal and in recruiting and is choosing to still ride with Stanley T. Yeah. So, yeah, so to Which, to, to uh, your, no shade on on yeah. Stanley. I'm not I'm not trying to shade Stanley I do T. A, He's just n- not a yeah. the caliber of defensive lineman that USC needs. I go a, a converted com- linebacker. Um, Angelo in the chat says, keep new and give him a real DC. I think what you do is you, you fire Grinch, um, the morning after the UCLA game, um, you give him an early start on the Thanksgiving break and you say, thank you for your services, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's over. We need a complete systematic change. Um, and you tell the entire staff that we're, we're having a, complete defensive overhaul uh, and you hire a new defensive coordinator and that new defensive coordinator has the ability to keep Sean Nua if he wants, but everybody else has got to go. And that includes Dante Williams. I know that, that, that there's, there's the recruiting element of that, but I don't think that SC has gotten enough out of, uh, the defense or whatever. And also if, if losing Sean Nua is what is the price you have to pay for making the systematic change to get rid of Grinch, then that's the, he's not Ed Ogeron in terms of like an elite line coach to where he warrants the automatic keep him around mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so if you lose him, you lose him. Like, no you, one you, on the defensive staff is good enough to get a a pass. They are all complicit in the failure. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, and, and I and I think that you know I, I think there's a lot of offensive soul searching that needs to happen for SC, but uh, it's the it's the defensive ones that I think need to be solved with personnel changes uh, in terms of coaching and. Offensively, I think the issue's less personnel based and more so in terms of strategy, uh, recruiting, scheme, scheme, scheme coaching, recruiting. Yeah, it's more yeah. In- internal yeah. things uh, that, yeah, could be fixed by, you know, making some changes on offense too. But defense, you have to just completely clean slate it 100%. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next question. Uh, Lamont says, uh, as you guys know, my daughter plays soccer and what I've noticed is that coaches can give confidence, uh, and they can take it away. If we get rid of Grinch now, do you think that that could help the defense? Uh, 
Yes, I think it could because sometimes a different voice can give you give, now is it yes, likely but no. is it truly a different voice well that but that's that's the problem like I don't it, you can get this rid of Grinch this isn't the Kings firing uh, Terry Murray and then having John Stevens be the interim coach for four games and then bringing in Daryl Sutter yeah like no, you're, you're, that's that's not how it works here. you're stuck you're stuck with who you have but right but Grinch is calling games so poorly Mm-hmm. That just by getting rid of him and having somebody else making the defensive play calls, but. maybe you improve. I don't think it's likely, but maybe at this point, take that chance. Idea. Uh, maybe the, that voice is Greg Brown. Yeah. He can't be an on-field coach. Um, maybe he's better at He can't do a like defense. a lot of on-field instruction because he's an analyst, right? Yeah. I don't know. May- maybe. I. Uh, Greg Brown, I, I don't know the extent of Greg Brown's input. I don't know if he has as much input as, as Kingsbury. I don't know if he's just consulting by being an analyst. I don't, whatever. I'm just saying, like, I would be more confident in something like that, where it's like somebody who isn't just, you're not just promoting Dante Williams. You know what I mean? Yes. Because it is the same voice. But I agree with what Lamont is saying. that, Like, yeah, a, a change in voice can help. The other thing is we know that with interim coaches, uh, when it, we've seen it firsthand at SC, that when you have an interim uh, coach, whether it be a head coach or a defensive coordinator or whatever, um, you can get some fire because they can just, okay, we're going to change everything up. We're going to throw everything at, at, And you can ride some juice there. And you can you can do that absolutely. Um, I just don't know that it's going to help everything completely. It's a little short term kind of boost. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it it is. It but is. again, in, in a bye ch- week helps. If you yeah, had a bye week. week, if you had a bye week. In the chat, Marcelo asks, "Let's say we get Dave Aranda, a proven excellent DC. How will being a DC in Riley's offense undercut his vision?" That whole athletic article about what it's like to be a DC in an air raid system has spooked me into thinking no one would succeed. I have two thoughts on this. Number one, Max Brown had a really good TikTok last week or a couple weeks ago where he made the point about the thing that people get wrong talking about football and I was talking about systems as though they exist. There is no such thing as an air, sorry, schemes as though they exist. There, in today's college football there is no such thing as an air raid there is no such thing as a spread there is no such thing as pro style everyone is doing everything Lincoln Riley is not running an air raid system he is running Lincoln Riley's offense which is borrowing concepts from pro style spread air raid it's all the same jumble that everybody else is doing so number one that is I I think that is relating to things that are I don't think SC is doing anything that is like unique that is unique to the they, air raid. They're not an air raid team. Yes. They are not running Mike Leach's air raid. Right. Um yes. so in that sense like that like that is becoming more and more obsolete in a sense of like because you're an air raid system your defense will suck. That's I think that's become that that I don't buy into that. But I will say Dave Aranda was the defensive coordinator at LSU with the most explosive 
effective offense in the history of college football in 2000 in 2019 with Joe Barry running a an, an outrageously effective offensive scheme and Joe Barry Joe was it wasn't was his name Joe Barry Joe, no not Joe Barry Joe Barry is the def- the yeah, Packers uh, Joe, um, Joe uh you know who I'm talking about yes, their passing game Brady, coordinator Joe Brady, Brady yes his defense ranked 32nd in total defense, 57th in pass defense, and 24th in rushing defense. They were perfectly fine. They were perfectly capable of of helping LSU get to the national title. Did they give up big scoring uh, totals at times in 2019? Yeah, they weren't a perfect defense, but that's the whole point. Like if you're if you have a defensive coordinator like Dave Aranda, you can do what we had talked about going into the season where you don't need a top 10 defense in order to be a really, really effective team with a really, really effective offense. Um, You can still have a capable defense that is not giving up 49 points to Cal. Um, It's... LSU had a top 30 defense that year that they won the uh the national title right but i i think the 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 other part about about it is look at what oregon is doing um i think oregon runs a similar kind of offense to what sc is doing and they held utah to six points uh they held colorado to six points they like i i think that they're i think when you're a high-flying offense i think you are you make you will be susceptible to giving up more points on offense because there will be more plays, more drives, and all those things in general. And I think that that's why we shouldn't look at, like, for instance, Oregon and Washington's game that was, what, 36-33 or whatever it was. Like, we shouldn't look at that as, uh, you know, a high-scoring lack of defensive game because there was a lot of defense in that game. But rather, that's what it ha- that's what happens when you have two good teams playing it against each other, right? Like sometimes Oregon and Washington are going to give up 30, 35 points against a really good team because that's how it works. That, that's how the, that's how the game works, right? But Oregon is holding other teams to low uh, outputs. So it is possible. It absolutely is possible. Um, and to your point about the LSU thing, if, yes, if you had a 60-point offense and you were just absolutely murdering everybody and SC got to the, to the area where – what, what we thought this offense was going to be at the beginning of the year. Um, if SC got to that spot, SC wouldn't have to have a perfect defense. This was the entire conversation we had off season um, about how the defense just needed to get better. They needed to be a top 50 defense and SC would win every game on their schedule or be favored to win every game on their schedule or whatever. They would be in, in a spot to be able to at least win, like contend against anybody. Dave Aranda's, Dave Aranda's LSU defense yeah. in the three most important games of the season. In the SEC championship versus Georgia, they held them to 10 points. In the college football playoff, they held Oklahoma, a very, very good Oklahoma offense, 28, to 28 points. Yeah. And then they held uh, Clemson to 25 points. Yeah. That, and that's Trevor Lawrence Clemson. That's Trevor Lawrence Clemson. So, yeah. yes, a Dave Aranda-level defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm is perfectly fine when his offense is going right. off and putting his putting the defense in 
uh, in tough spots the way that any and, good offense will put the defense in tough spots because they're also taking pressure off the defense. As and well. you know that when you give up 28 points, when you you're have a defense like that, you're scoring that it's a, you know, that you're, you're probably outscoring them anyways. Yeah. Uh, but B, you know that it's because you played a good team, not because yeah. you gave up 49 to a third yeah. string quarterback or, or guy who was a third string quarterback. Now he's yeah. cows outright starter. Yeah, but um, USC's defense has had a way of helping opposing teams declare their outright starter because suddenly there was proof positive that that starter can can get the job done or can can put up points or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, because USC's yeah. defense is. Uh, Tim in the chat says, "What's the deal with bad angles? The hitting and pushing instead of wrapping up 100 mile an hour whiffs on tackles." Does the new DC fix that, or do we need to wait for transfers and recruits? New I DC don't helps. think it's waiting for transfers and recruits because that's what SC's been trying to do to fix that issue. New DC helps because new DC runs scheme that doesn't ask players to be in position that forces them to make those bad angles, coaches the angles better in, in practice, mm-hmm. coaches the defense better in practice, sets up... Um, calls plays against the offense in ways that will allow the defense to be in better positions to make those plays and benches players who don't make tackles and don't have their fits and don't figure it out. Like there's yeah, to me that's, that's not, it's a player issue only in so far as those players can only make themselves better to a certain degree. If every single linebacker that has been coached by this staff in the two years that they've been here has been equally bad, which all of them have, um, then that's a coaching problem. Yeah. If your upgraded defensive front with a talent that is such, as clear as Bear Alexander is and your defensive front is still getting worked in the run game, that's a coaching problem. If you have recruited five-star talent all over your secondary and those guys are all making whiffs and all getting beat deep and all getting flags thrown on them every time, then that's a coaching problem. Yeah. 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 I I am right there, right there with you. Uh, Joe in the chat says, Cal's Jade Knott, 21 carries, 153 yards, three touchdowns. No SEC team would ever allow that. Stop the run first, for God's sakes. First and foremost, yeah, that's a it's a, it's a big line. Uh, Jay not had a lot of yards in this game. One of his best games of his career in this game. Uh, he was Pac-12 leading rusher coming in. It was always a probability that he was going to have more than 100 yards. The flip side is... SC was able to keep him in check in the as when Bear Alexander got in, he didn't. He had what um, one carry in the fourth quarter. These were his carries in the second half after Bear and Bear Alexander was there. Five, four, negative four, one, one, four, negative eleven. So they did turn it around when when he was there. The, the flip side is... Explosive I, plays. Yeah, it's the explosive plays that they gave up at the beginning, which absolutely, you know, torpedoed uh, the run effort, especially early on, and, and torpedoes those stats, absolutely. Um, the flip side is the the idea that, like, no SEC team would ever allow that. 
I I know that this is just a turn of phrase, but like the idea that like oh no SEC team no, no Big Ten team would ever allow that like there's running backs in the SEC that do that there's mm-hmm. running backs in the Big Ten that do that. like like the idea of like the vaunted SEC defense is literally at like two schools it's it's Georgia and like you know what I mean like LSU this year their defense is insanely bad like. Who has the best rushing defense in Power Five? UCLA, right? UCLA. Yeah. So I, I allowing two point two two yards per carry. Yeah, like there's a one, two of the best defensive teams in the country are UCLA and Utah. So, um, you know, everybody runs uh, a, a, an offense that has pro style air raid elements. Um, like the the idea that like the SEC is just overly about defense and the, and the big 10 wants to take the air out of the ball. And they're all, they're all Iowa. Like I just, I understand it's a turn of phrase. So I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't let this be a thing that bugs yeah, me. Yeah. But, um, no, but, it, but it really does come down to the explosive plays. Um, yeah. which if yeah. SC was able to take out the explosive plays, a they're maybe they're undefeated right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's it's that's it's that simple. It's yeah. it's really that simple. Uh, they, right. they gave up they gave up 104 yards on two plays to Jaden Knott. Yeah, Angelo in the chat says UCLA turned around their defense quickly with the new DC and it's showing tonight against Colorado. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley should take some notes. It's really not that hard. Yeah, UCLA is such a good example of what that what a difference a defensive coordinator can make because mm-hmm. uh, last year with Clancy Pendergast as their defensive coordinator. Uh, there was a time where Clancy Pendergast was a good defensive coordinator. That time has passed, uh, and their defense was pretty darn bad. This year, yeah. with more or less the same talent that they had, uh, they are getting more out of the talent that they had. They are getting more across the board defensively, and it has been a drastic, drastic, drastic change for them defensively. Um, same head coach, same offensive coaching staff, same approach. They they lost Dorian Thompson Robinson, but but Chip Kelly's still trying to do the same things. Uh, their defense has been transformed because they made the right defensive hire. Mm-hmm. There is no reason, no reason at all that Lincoln Riley couldn't go out and make the right defensive hire. He has to do it. Yes. He has to identify it. He has to get the right person in. But there, the the defense can turn around like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Two two more questions, and we're wrapping this thing up. Eric says, uh, "You guys may have heard the criticism that SC players are considered soft. There are folks making the case that Benny Wiley may have contributed to this, and he needs to go too." Thoughts? Uh, Wiley is the um, the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, this has been a thing. I we've I think we've talked about this like last week that the strength when every any time you lose. It gets pointed to physicality more than than in any other. Like physicality um, is something that only gets pointed out when you lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, often it's because of that, obviously cause and effect. But physicality always comes back to the strength and conditioning coach, who is an easy person to blame. Is it actually Benny Wiley's fault? A, who knows? Because strength and conditioning coaches. It's imp- like it's very difficult to ever tell if it's their, actually their fault. One of the criticisms about him, though, 
is that the guys are undersized. If the guys are undersized and the and Benny Wiley continues to be the strength and conditioning coach, then that means that they are under, undersized on purpose. By design. By yep. design. So, like, if he had everybody undersized and the coaching staff did not did not approve that, he wouldn't still be around. So I have a hard time just saying that this is Benny Wiley. Like, I think a lot of it is if if the problem is is that SC's undersized, that's a coaching decision. That's not a Benny Wiley issue. Personally. That's I I agree with you. I I think I find it extremely hard to evaluate strength and conditioning coaches. Um I don't think fans I I genuinely do not think any fans who go after strength and conditioning conditioning coaches do so with any any amount of insight that actually lets us know that that is the problem um teams that win football games uh, people don't complain about their strength and conditioning coaches and teams that don't win football games people complain about their strength and conditioning coaches and it can change from year to year and it can change from coach to coach and it can be a thing i genuinely wouldn't be able to tell i Benny Wiley could be the greatest strength and conditioning coach in the history of the game, and USC could still be losing games because their coaches are because they go doing for two when they job. shouldn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like I and and he could be the worst in the history of the game, and I don't know that that would be something that we could necessarily tell because again, the coaches are not doing a good job with the players that they have. Uh, okay, last question. Dave the Greater says, "What would be the best candy to get at Halloween?" And the worst. Um, the best is a uh, one hundred grand bar, um, or I love like Laffy Taffy's. Uh, the, the worst is is candy corn. Candy corn is good if you have two pieces and no more. I do not like candy corn. At when all. you get to piece like four, you're like, mm. or like I don't know, I'm not. Big you get on- to piece seven, you're like, why am I doing this? You get to piece eight, you're like, this is disgusting. I'm not big on like peanut candies, but the useful thing for me on Halloween, like growing up, because I have a bunch of siblings, so what we would do is we would go, uh, go out for Halloween, we'd do our trick or treating, and then we'd all come back, and then we'd just do a bunch of trades because you know everybody likes different things, so. I didn't hate getting Snickers because I knew that Snickers were a high value trade candy mm-hmm. uh, that I could always utilize. Sure. But uh, if I didn't have anybody to trade with and you just gave me a bag of Snickers, I'd be really disappointed. I just don't care for Snickers or like peanut um, candies. The answer, the, I like the answer to this is one of, uh, I think there's two options here. Uh, a Kit Kat bar. Or a crunch bar of some sort. Those are absolutely the cream of the crop, the the best two kinds of candy, crunch bar and a Kit Kat. Uh, The worst for me, uh, get your Reese's peanut butter bullshits away from anything that has to do with me. No, thank you. Oh, also, I love a kiss. Uh, uh, Hershey kiss, great. Hershey kiss with nuts, bad. Agreed. And... And I, I, I like 
almonds in like as a, a a flavor in certain things, but like almond like almond Hershey kisses are just a waste of everybody's time. Anything with nuts, bad. Uh, all right, we're gonna end this thing with. I I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic Alicia. Uh, uh, Tim says, "How do we feel about people who pronounce it Reese's Pieces?" Bad. Um, Reese's. I. The only instance in which I'm okay with taking away people's human rights <laughs> is when they say Reese's Pieces. Um, but Alicia, we're finishing with... I, I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic Alicia. All right. Go for it. Take it away. <sighs> okay. Um, optimistic Alicia. As, as I was saying before, I think there is still a universe where USC goes two and one uh, over the next three games to what end? I don't know because I don't think you're winning a pac title. And then at that point it's like, okay, well, whatever, I guess you're just damage controlling. You gotta be optimistic here, uh, but there is a universe. Um, Washington has not looked impervious. UCLA has, uh, has its own issues offensively. Um, it's, it's not the end of the world. I think my, my most optimistic take is, uh, USC, it is inevitable. It is inevitable to me that USC will be making a change at defensive coordinator. And the example of UCLA is a very, very strong, positive sign of next year. USC could have a drastically improved defense simply because they changed the defensive coordinator and got that right. Uh, so I I think that while this season has been been difficult, it doesn't have to be uh, the the rest of the season doesn't have to be super painful. Um, but when it comes down to it, the health of the program is still trending, should be trending in the right direction uh, in terms of of getting better and moving out of the the Hilton era. Um, and getting to a point where USC can consistently um, contend and consistently be part of uh, the national conversations. That might not be the case right now, but I still do believe that we are that that USC is, is trending in that direction, um, contingent on the defensive coordinator situation being addressed, and I do believe it will be addressed at, by the end of the season. So, can can, can I reenact what you said? This, this was your optimistic. Well, I, I mean, I think they can win. Um, yeah, they might be able to going forward. Yeah. Way to be optimistic. Like, people want the, yeah. Where's the, where's the Pepe Alicia? It's, it's, is it in there? No, no. No. <laughs> Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I would be optimistic about Marshawn Lloyd, but I don't trust USC's offensive line to give him opportunities. Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd. I would be optimistic about Caleb Williams, but I don't trust the offensive line to to be dominant in a way that would help give him a platform to take over these next three games. And I certainly don't trust USC's defense to do anything that gives USC a chance. Uh, yeah. to really make statements in the coming three games. So my optimism has to be trained on next season. Mm-hmm. And not to end, I'm tr- I'm really not trying to not end this on an optimistic take, but um, 
it's really hard to watch USC games right now. That's I I'm it's really hard to get up on a Saturday and know that USC is playing football and get excited for it. Literally yeah. the best part of my day is is sitting on this car cast and just getting to like let it let it rip or whatever. I the games have been like pulling teeth. I would literally rather do let anything. Let it rip. Else. Wow, look at you with the with the peak carolism. Yeah. I never understood what rips it was for the longest time. <laughs> like, well, what the hell is rips it? I think it just means what? to let it rip. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, there's yeah. no need, need to be optimistic, Michael, here, because it, there's no football reason that ST should win a game for the rest of the year. Um, I think that we all know that, especially next week. Next week is a going up against a, Team Washington team that seems to have figured it out in Palo Alto, um, up on the farm against Stanford. Um, no football reason that SC should be even remotely in that ball game next week. So, yeah, it's it'll be a tough week of practicing, but uh, there we go. Um, let's finish it up with a uh, super chat we got from Tim in Riverside. Thanks, Tim. Have I missed it? Have I missed the battle? Question mark. We suck. That's one. That's one way to end it. That's fifty to forty nine. Okay, I I made a Big Brother reference uh, last week, and I I kind of want to make a Big Brother reference now. Um, the rest of the big like USC and Big Brother are in the same in the same spot. Realistically, I know what the rest of the season holds. I know how this is all going to go. It's not going to be fun. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's just not, it's just, it is, it, it's just going to play out the way it's going to play out. And that sucks. Um, so I can choose to not watch episodes of big brother and still watch, follow the season by listening to the podcasts I really like and doing all those things and sort of staying connected to what's going on while also sort of disconnecting from the parts of big brother that I really dislike, uh, doing. If I could do that with this, if I could just like still podcast and still talk about the games while only having to experience the game through the box score, that would be my ideal way to deal with the rest of the season. Like I want to transform <laughs> myself back to 20 years ago where I'm at a wedding and all I have to follow the USC game is the app on my little flip phone that just gives, tells me like that a thing happened and not actually have to experience it myself. If I could choose that for the rest of the season, I would. That's where I'm at. Uh, All right. That's where we're at. So. Yeah. But please, tune in next week. Uh, <laughs> oh, when we'll be we... here next week. I'll, I, I, I don't get, I, I'm, I can't do that. I'm going to watch the games. We're going to talk about them next week. And we're going to have a little therapy session and deal with it. So, yeah. 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 Steven, As Steven in the chat says. All caps. We won. We won. Yes. Uh, it's better to win than to lose, so I will take it. Uh, uh, and, and Tim Riverside says, best <laughs> part of the Helton years was Raina Troy. We might be there again soon. Uh, I will. Cheers, cheers, to, cheers to, to us being the best part of anything. So thank you. Uh, we'll be back Monday to talk about this some more. 50 to 49 in Berkeley. And no, that wasn't a vote for anything. It was the score. And uh, we'll be back Monday for that. Wednesday to preview 
SC and Washington, a game in which SC has no football reason to even participate. Um, and then uh, Thursday night, the Ranchory After Dark, where you can get all of our bonus content and watch that as well. Uh, you can also join our Discord for four ninety nine a month. Uh, and then uh, we'll be back with the CarCast next week uh, as well. Late night next week because uh, we'll be going to the game. So till then, we will see you. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.